to Karen the Loud podcast. It's Mark and Annette, and we have Barbie Engel with us today. Barbie, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Mark and Annette. I'm so glad to be here, and I really appreciate you bringing me on to talk to your listeners. Well, thank you. Just a little bit about Barbie. Um, Barbie is a selling author, reality personality, and lives with multiple rare and chronic diseases. Reflex sympathetic dystrophy. RSD, migrapsy, PL, PALBT variant, endometriosis, and other pain disorders. Barbie is a chronic pain educator, patient advocate, and president of the International Pain Foundation. She is also a motivational speaker and best-selling author on pain topics. Her blog, reality shows, and media appearances are used as a platform to help her become an e-patient advocate, and she presents at healthcare conferences, speaking publicly, sharing her story, educating and advocating for patients across the globe. She has received more than 20 accommodations over the years for her advocacy work, including 2012 WeGo Health Miss Congeniality, 2012 NAF, You Are Our Hero Award, 2013 International Inspirational Luminary, 2015 IDA Impact Award, and 2016 WeGo Health Lifetime Achievement. In 2017, Barbie was named a Health Information Technology Top 100 Influencer by Health Scene and Top 20 Health Influencer by Insider Monkey Magazine. In 2018, Barbie received the Reality All-Star Reunion Superstar Award for her social media efforts and Top 50 Chronic Pain Advocates. In February 2021, Barbie is listed in the Top 75 Social Media Advocates for Rare Diseases. In 2020, Barbie is listed as the Top 50 Social Media Advocates for Rare Diseases and Top 10 Healthcare Influencers for all marketers to follow, 2020 Pharma Voice 100 and 2020 HITMC Patient Advocate of the Year. Congratulations on all those awards. And what I think is amazing, and it's everything that we're doing with Care in the Load, is you are there to help others to recognize that they're not alone, that someone's been there before them and understands. So thank you. Thank you. That was a lot. <laughs> I appreciate it. And, you know, for me, I'm trying to just live life to the fullest. You never know when it will be taken away from you, especially with multiple rare diseases. And I want to make sure that I do what I can do here on earth while I'm here on earth so that I make a difference in somebody's life. And if I can help more than one person, that's even better. Well, thank you. Would you just tell us a little bit about Barbie? pre-diagnoses of all these rare diseases. Absolutely. So I was taking life for granted. I was living my best life. I was, um, I graduated from college with a degree in social psychology. And I, since the age of four, had told my dad and mom that I was going to be a cheerleader the rest of my life. And my dad was, was the practical one and said, you can't do that the rest of your life. And I said, watch me. And I... <laughs> I got the head coaching position at Washington State University for cheerleading and dance. I was the first coach that they ever hired, and um, I got our team into the top five in the country. 
and I was working towards number one when I got sick. But I also owned my own cheer and dance training company straight out of college. Within one week of graduating college, I moved and I was preparing to get married, but I didn't really know what I was going to do and uh, saw some local cheerleaders practicing and said they need help. And I started my own instruction company and that turned into a company we taught all over the West Coast as well as British Columbia. I was active and full and vivacious, but I was stuck in my own bubble. So even though you were stuck in a bubble, you seized that opportunity to continue to help and to help in, in a very different way than, than how you're helping now. And you were living that dream, that dream from the four-year-old little girl who told her dad that you were going to be this you know, cheerleader. And you still are a cheerleader. Exactly. So God had a different plan for me. And I think the wake up call was developing rare diseases and uh, not knowing what I was going to do. I, I lost my first marriage. I was on food stamps for a while. I had over a million dollars in medical bills, 43 doctors to get a proper diagnosis for RSD. I really was struggling and said, I didn't say God, why me? But I said, what is the purpose? I can't see the purpose. I thought I was supposed to be a cheerleader. I thought I was doing your work through cheerleading. And now I am trying to find where I'm supposed to be. And turns out I'm supposed to be a cheerleader, just not a physical cheerleader. I'm supposed to be a mental cheerleader. And it once I grasped that and believed in what the signs were around me, uh, from God, I feel like I was able to take all of the things I learned in cheerleading. It wasn't just wearing a cute little skirt and doing backflips. It actually was responsibility and time management and organization and and motivating others to be the best them that they can be. And I took all that and turned it into being a mental cheerleader. We all need mental cheerleaders and those cheerleaders of hope because life can get messy and life is is not always just doing the backflips. And like you said, wearing that that skirt and the smile on your face and, and cheering others on. We can continue to have smiles on our face and we can continue to cheer one another on. But the reality is there's pain in life, not only emotional, but physical pain. We don't always know the answers. It's difficult. To live a life where you know you're in pain and the doctors can't figure out what's going on. And sometimes you even question, do they think I'm crazy because no one can figure anything out? And it's hard and we have to trust, trust our intuition. And the fact that you became your own chief of staff to your own medical team. Yep. I love that you've written that down too. And and we we have to do that. And that's something that I'm trying to embrace in my own life right now to be my own chief of staff to my own medical team and trying to figure out what, you know, those pieces are and put the pieces together. Ultimately, you have to do that, don't you, in order to uh, get the help that you need, because no one else, no one else but you is going to be able to put it all back together again. Absolutely. When I would go into the doctors, those first 42 doctors, I would go in crying, upset. They were worried about my mental health before they were even addressing my physical pain and my other symptoms that were going on. 
I was not getting past the first step every time I went. So once I learned and became my own best advocate, I learned the adjectives. I learned their language. I learned how to talk to them. That was my homework. I wasn't doing my homework. I wasn't doing my part in taking responsibility for my life. And as soon as I started to do that, that's when I started getting the help that I needed and started getting the answers and finding out what treatments are available once I got that diagnosis. But I couldn't have got that diagnosis if I continued to go in and just say, I'm in pain everywhere. Help me. I'm, I'm passing out. I'm falling down. I'm having all these changes in my life. Once I went in and I started describing the, I'm having burning fire pain all the time, but sometimes there's electrical shock pain. Sometimes there's crushing pain. Sometimes it feels like a jackhammer's on my back. Once I started talking their language, they could start offering me tools and tips and resources. And now I take that information and pass it on so that other people can get help faster. It should not take three years to get a proper diagnosis. But if you don't know the language to speak, you're not going to get the help you need. Before we start talking about diagnosis, something that you said a minute ago really piqued my my ears there. And that was is that when you started experiencing some of these pains and some of these other issues there, you indicated that uh, you didn't ask God why, but you but you wondered what is the purpose? You asked what is the purpose there? And and I and I thought that was very important in that particular part of your life. It's because a lot of people, they, they really do. That's the first question that came out is, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Can you tell us just a little, little bit about uh, how you were able to come to that realization instead of asking, why me? Instead of asking, what, Lord, would you have me do because of this? How did that, uh, how did that come to that? I had a really strong faith growing up, and I, I also had um, my parents were, were both strong believers in in. Uh, God and Jesus Christ. And so I had a strong belief, but my first husband did not believe in God. I knew, I thought I had enough belief for it, for our whole family, for all of us. And turns out I, I didn't have enough for all of us. I had enough for me. I had the tools that God gave me. And actually my dad helped me see that there was a purpose and um, really reinforced that all my life, but I never needed it. I never felt like I needed to reach out. I just wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. So I never really questioned why it was, there has to be a reason. I just can't see it yet. So what is the purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? Because I just feel like it was in me all that time. And that all of a sudden that I couldn't do all the things that I was. And one of my, my therapists, I went to cognitive therapy and one of my therapists said, do this. I am the tool and, and go, go home and write down all the things that you are. Because I was sitting there saying, I lost this and I lost that. And I tried so hard and I don't want to divorce. And I, I want to hold everything together. And I went home and I, I did my, I am's and, and my first one, that I wrote down was I am spiritual. <laughs> and I, I just knew that the purpose was in me. I just needed to pivot it. And then once I had that aha moment, I said, hey, I am still here. I am still valued. I am still of worth and I can still help the human race, humankind live their best lives because that's what God put me on earth for. So 
ah, it's hard. I knew all my life that that was my purpose. I just didn't know how to apply it. There was a reason why I asked you that question. It's because it seems, and you probably have found this as well, as an advocate to those that have pain, is that when when there's nothing there, it's very difficult to to heal. Yes. I had a glimmer of hope. My dad would say, if I was having a bad day or a team lost or something trivial, he would say, tomorrow will be a better day. And tomorrow didn't necessarily mean tomorrow. It it could mean a week, a month, a year, 10 years down the line, but it will get better. And to have that, that hope in my life, even at my weakest points, I still had hope. And a lot of people give up the hope and, or they think that they don't have hope, but it really is just, there's always a glimmer of hope. You just have to look for it. You just have to find it. And my dad would say stuff like, you know, your team's losing 50 to zero. How do you still have a smile? That prepared me for when my life became my team and living became the game. And I want to get through it. Where do I find that? And just that spark of hope kept me going through the worst times to the point where I am now. I feel like, you know, when they say your cup is half full or Mm -hmm. empty, my cup is never empty. What you can't see in my cup is the hope that I live with. And I hope that me having that that hope in my cup and talking about it, can people will see me living and they'll go, I can do that too. I live in pain every day. I have seizures. I have back pain. I have trouble walking. But if she can do it, I can do it. And I hope that they see that they have that spark in them because we all have that in us. It's just a matter of being able to spot it, even in the darkest of times. Hope is so vital. And why we're doing, really, why we feel like God has called us to do care on the load and to do podcasts and social media and get out of our comfort zone, if you will, is, you know, we also, our trials are different. That pain is different. But we knew that it wasn't just for us. We knew that we could help and offer that hope to others through what we were learning. And there were times that it was hard to find that hope, but it was there. And, you know, we, we need to prepare just like you had those times when life, you know, was going along, you were living the dream and, but you were filling that cup with that hope. And even though it was hard to, to see that hope, I think once your dad and others probably um, shared little tips and ideas, it did something in your mind that you you recalled and you remembered that hope. And I think really that's what we're doing. That's what you're doing is helping others remember there is hope. Yep. Yeah. My, my father actually passed away in 2016 and um, it was, it was a tragic death. And I know you guys shared with me earlier that you had lost your son. And um, I, I know that it's a different type of pain and it's hard to get through, but believing and having hope and knowing that when my father died, he didn't, leave me alone. He taught me all the things that he was here on earth to teach me and my siblings and and his grandchildren so that 
we could continue to be the best that we could be, which is having human connection and how important human connection is and how we all lift each other up. Um, you know, when people have a have a challenge, they feel like oh, I'm on this mountain and I'm in this valley. I want to get up there, not realizing that that person that seems to be higher in the mountain to you might be in their own valley. They might be going through, as you said, a different trial or a different tribulation that is is making them feel a certain way. And, and like their hope is going down on the on the hope scale. But really, somebody's always looking up to you and looking to you and for you to give them that energy, that hope, that guidance, that blessing, whatever it is that it's free to give out. It's free to have human connection and to connect with people. And, you know, I, I miss my dad. I, I sincerely, truly miss my dad more, more than any other human that I've ever met. But I know that he's in a good place. I know that he taught me all the things his human self was supposed to teach me. And now he's with God. And I will join them at some point in my life. But I have not fulfilled my purpose. You guys have not fulfilled your purpose. And the, the people watching, we all are here on earth for a reason. Fulfill your purpose. Figure out what your purpose is if you haven't yet. And take that forward add it to the the blessings of the world and make your world and everybody that comes in contact with you, whether it's the random person you hold the door for or buy a coffee for or smile at all those things matter. All those things, all those things count. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate all the life lessons that have been given to me, not just by my dad, but every, every human I've come in contact with on earth. Barbie, there are so many nuggets of what you just said. That 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 was great, and and I and I think it really epitomizes those who have found joy in the journey amidst amidst the different and, and difficult situations that they have. You know, we we we've been we we watch people. We we talk to a lot of people, and it's interesting to listen to to them as they talk about the last thirteen or fourteen months. Of COVID and and uh, the things that they've learned and and I've heard it said over and over again that if if when this is over with, if we didn't learn anything, then then it was our own fault, and and I and I think very often we see people and we come across those that uh, that don't seem to learn, that uh, that that miss the opportunity. I I look at uh, Annette and I and and we we would gladly bring back our son if we could any way we possibly could, but. That's not part of the plan. But what was part of the plan is that uh, we we were to stay happy. <clears throat> and, and happiness is such a, a vital, important part of, of uh, our, our lives there. And I, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that, is that uh, too often, you know, Annette often says, and I hear her say this, is that, uh, well, I'd love to bring our son back. I wouldn't trade the experiences that we've learned for anything because tragedy has a way of being able to teach us things that maybe perhaps we could have le never learned any other way. So true. Part of the thoughts with that too is it was a choice. It wasn't something that we ignored those feelings, that pain, that grief. There were all those things that we still felt. We still feel them, but that doesn't mean we can't have joy. Absolutely. 
and I feel like Barbie, as you've gone through these experiences with these rare diseases, I mean, you ended up going from cheerleader to a body that really couldn't function. I mean, you were in a wheelchair, you were in such, such pain all the time. Yes. And, and continued. I mean, how many surgeries have you had? Over 50. I stopped counting at 50. I've had over 100 healthcare professionals now, and I stopped counting medical surgery procedures at 50. Um, so, but um, like I said, millions in medical bills. I've been through a lot. Living is my focus. Because I'm assuming you still live with pain. I do. Yes. Every day. Every and look day. what you're doing. You are there being an advocate for others. That's your purpose. And is that what helps you get out of bed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Knowing, you know, what can I do today? I, I don't drink coffee. My husband needs like a pot of coffee before he's not grumpy. <laughs> I do have an amazing husband. God brought me an amazing husband um, and someone who, who's also a believer and, and better yoked for me. But um, he needs a pot of coffee. I wake up and I'm excited to be alive. I'm excited to make human connections and to live life to the fullest. And if that means I have to do it from bed that day because the pain or the, the other symptoms are just too bad, then that's what I do. And I don't put the guilt on myself for not being able to get up and get out of bed in that moment. But also time changed for me. And I used to feel like, oh, my gosh, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be living with these things. And now I look at it as these are moments in time. How many moments can I make the best that they can be, no matter what the situation is, no matter what is underlying it with the, with the physical or emotional pain of, of chronic pain, uh, muscle pain, nerve pain, all of the physical pains, but also the mental and, and emotional pain that you go through knowing like, oh, I let that person down. I, I wanted so bad to be at that family reunion or high school graduation for a nephew. But I also know I'm living life to the fullest. And if I could be there, I would be there. And I try to find another way. Can, can you video, you know, call me and let me watch the person walk across the stage or be at the party for five minutes so I can be a part of it, but in my own special way. So I found a way to like the boulder that was dropped in front of my path in life. I found a way over, under, through, around and realized that it's not one boulder. This is life. This is living. And there's going to be so many boulders along the way. I just happened to not experience them at a younger age. I was, you know, 29 when I, when I got real sick. I was 26 when I got endometriosis, but 29 when I was debilitated. A diagnosis is often looked by many people as a life sentence. And uh, I'm, I'm really curious in your situation with the number of years that you were in a wheelchair, what was it ultimately that got you out of that wheelchair? It was persistence. <laughs> I knew I would not have given up the life I, I had. And I was trying to get back to that. However, I found out quickly after I got what they call remission, and got out of the wheelchair um, through infusion therapy. I also use the oral orthotic. I also use counseling. I also, um, I, I use uh, all different types of modalities. But um, right after I got out of it, I was like, I want to go back and, 
literally two weeks after I came home from the hospital, I went in in a wheelchair and walked out seven days later. A miracle. To me, that's a miracle. And two weeks later, I got a call saying, hi, um, we have a cheer competition in your area and we need a judge. Can you judge? Uh, this, thank you, God. Like, this is what I wanted. But really, it was, again, to show me my purpose. And my purpose wasn't to go back into the cheerleading world. I still am a cheerleader, but not in that world. I went and judged that competition. It was a two-day event. And I still physically, even in remission, could not handle the the pain of the music blasting and the lights on the stage flashing. I still have epilepsy, you know, microlepsy. I still have seizures. I, I still have challenges. So I figured out in that moment, God did not want, he wants me to be a cheerleader, but not in the real sense of physical cheerleader. What a great lesson to be taught immediately after. Yeah. Miracles happen, but they don't always happen the way we want them to happen. And I think you had that vision to be able to recognize this is a miracle. And he gave me this opportunity, like, so almost immediately okay. after yeah. to go do this. Or you may have been planning along for, for some time that I can do this. And I can go back into the cheerleading world and realm of things. When in reality, you needed to pivot. And yep. you needed to be that cheerleader of hope. Yes. And I had pivoted, but I was still trying to take that other road. I was still trying to go back. And that's not what life's about. Life's about going forward, moving forward, always forward and being the best you can be with where you are. And that was the aha moment at that point. You know, seven years in a wheelchair, you can dance again. I would never professionally dance again, but I could physically dance again. But now, like, this is my dancing. <laughs> and that's good enough. And that makes my heart smile. But, um, you know, I, I actually started it dancing again, just not in the same way. Just that's not my purpose. And God showed me that right after, as you said, it was almost immediate in, in, in our time. And like, wow, what important things to learn and know as I'm moving forward. It, remission is possible, but it doesn't mean your old life comes back. It means keep going. You're in the right, you're going the right direction. You're doing the right things. Keep going this way. This is where you're supposed to be going. And and that in and of itself is a miracle. You know, we 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 think that miracles ceased. You know, we we're we're in the middle of watching a series called The Chosen. And it's 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 an incredible series about the life of Jesus Christ and about uh his uh his his life and and you know some of the miracles that they talk about are, are quite pronounced, you know the uh, the the miracle at uh, Canaan, the miracle of uh, the water in, or the yeah the water, the water and the wine, and the miracle of fishes and things, and we and we look at all those as miracles, but sometimes we we don't look at those little things that are really big things in our lives as as true miracles. And part of this this show, because we're just now giving a plug to the show that we are just, we just, you know, are what we can't wait for the next episode. We're all caught up here. Now it's a new episode. But it shows this through the lives of people. So Matthew and Peter and and Mary, you know, all these other people and the miracles in their life that are happening as they learn. Yes. As they become who they're supposed to be. Who they're, figuring supposed out their purpose. To be. they're figuring out their purpose, which is exactly what you, 
is happening to each of us, I hope, is that we're figuring out our purpose. Right. You know, you talk about moving forward. You talk about these boulders. We've talked about, you know, looking from down here in the valley up to someone on top of the mountain. And we don't see that on top of the mountain, there's other valleys. Yep. And there's other, there's other peaks and boulders to climb. And I believe we're, as you're talking about, continuing to move forward, we don't necessarily arrive in this life, but as we move forward. So yeah, here it's been, I don't know how many years, you were seven years in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Have there been other boulders since that first big boulder after you got out of the wheelchair? Oh, goodness. Well, yeah, I mean, in well, my my um all my grandparents have passed away and both my parents passed away. So those to me are are boulders, especially when my father passed away. But um in 2019, November 2nd, 2019, I was at a church event. I walked in on my own and it ended and I I couldn't walk out. And um, this was the 60th anniversary of our church. It was a huge celebration. It was at a, a ball field in downtown Phoenix. And it was huge. And my husband's like, I'm going to go get the car. I'm sitting there. I'm having trouble breathing. The police helped me out and escort me to the curb. And they're like, you know, we can help you. I'm like, I have a lot of rare diseases. Please don't call it ambulance. I'm sure it's something with this, you know, with my health and what's going on. Um, so they sat with me there on the corner. My husband couldn't get the car because the streets were shut off because the event was so big. He couldn't get the car into the area to pick me up outside the building and was having a lot of trouble. And um, turns out I actually had I actually contracted something that we have here in the Southwest called Valley Fever. And um, I had a um, severe case of pneumonia. I had a 10 millimeter mass on my lung. And... I, I couldn't breathe. And, um, and two weeks later, we do we do a educational summit. And I'm like, I have to be at this summit. So I, I went back. My doctors were like, no, you literally need to be in the hospital hooked up to a breathing machine. And I was like, well, if I can get a breathing machine, will you give me permission to, to go and be at this event? Because I really feel like I need to be there. And, and I've been working on it for a year. And and um. I was able to borrow a breathing machine from my father-in-law and um, bring that with me. And people at the event, I was back in my scooter. I wasn't able to, to walk around anymore. Um, but it, again, it was a huge boulder. Um, getting diagnosed in uh, 2017 with PLB2 breast cancer, that was a huge boulder. Um, I, I mean, just there's been boulders all along the way. And they keep coming up, not just with, with me and my health, but also... Um, with we run a nonprofit charity and you know funding with the charity and what are we going to do and and covid hitting and okay now we have to take all of our in person connections away and turn them into two projects that are still beneficial and helpful with with you know helping people around the world and through our network but only virtually um seeing those boulders come in that yes yeah, so many boulders but then this year, we actually teamed up with the government of Uganda and did our biggest project in November with the government of Uganda. So we're still able to reach people, even though we are now virtual. So it's, yes, there's boulders, but 
I found ways again around them, over them, through them. And, and, you know, where's my path? Where am I supposed to be going? If it gets to be something that seems overwhelming, I've, I break it down into smaller parts. And I also stop and say, okay, Jesus, talk to me. <laughs> Is this not where I'm supposed to be going? Should I be steering another way? What project or program is the right way to go? Should I make a, a bigger lasting connection with this other group or this other advocate so that we can help people? And I listen more to what's going on around me, to the signs that he puts in front of me to know where to go and what to do. I, I think I think you just answered the question I was just going to ask you. And and that question, you know, first of all, as Annette was reading your your bio, there are a couple of things that uh, I, I really get. And one of those things I get is the miscongeniality part there. Uh, but but there was one also, uh, she talked about uh, a hero. Mm-hmm. And, and you talked about all of the inner things that a hero has within themselves. But how does a hero actually manifest themselves? And how can we all be heroes? Being a person who does things, being a doer instead of a, a beer, <laughs> a human being can sit there and do nothing and they're on earth and they aren't living their purpose. A human doer is actually going out, doing what they're supposed to be doing in life that, that yes, it might give you some benefit or make you feel good, but it's something that is doing for others, that is sharing, connecting, growing humankind in our purpose here together on earth. And so, you know, again, it's going to be different for every person. I found mine and I, and I really feel like I knew it from way long ago, but I know people that are hearing my story for the first time and they say, oh, wait, I have some wheels turning now. This is maybe where I'm supposed to be going, or maybe I should pick up the Bible and and read it. Where do I start? Just open it. It will be a lesson that you're supposed to learn. So open it and start reading it. And, and that, that can be your starting point, but um, really a hero is something that you can do be and celebrate every single day. It's not necessarily Superman or Superwoman. It's, you living your life to the fullest, and, and in doing that, you are helping other people, and you're being a doer and not just a beer. <laughs> perfect, perfect. You, you know, I when when I when I think of what you were saying there, you know, you don't have to go and uh, go so far as to meeting the governor of Uganda. Uh, you you can you can do that same kind of work next door. Yep. You can do that same work within the walls of your own home. Uh, of of those because you, when when you and Annette were talking earlier, you talked about the fact that uh, everyone is going through struggles, and sometimes we don't recognize just how serious those struggles are because we tend to often not be very authentic. Mm-hmm. We 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 tend to try to to make everything look great, yes. but as we listen and and that's what you just said as you as you listen and as you try to understand what's going on around you and pick up on those little signs those little nonverbal nuggets that we sometimes see that gives us an opportunity doesn't it to really become the hero to someone else that needs it absolutely 
when when COVID first hit back in in 2020, it, like March, April, May, we kind of took a, a um, financial hit personally and with our charity, and we needed some help with with food. So I was looking. I found a Instagram post about how they needed volunteers to help hand out food baskets to the community in our own community. Like you're saying, you can, it doesn't have to be somewhere around the world. It can be somewhere in your own community. And I said, well, husband, you have the physical abilities. You can go volunteer your time. And then, and then in return, you can bring home a basket for us to, to have some food, but you can go give your time because you physically have this energy and ability to give. And, um, and so, you know, going out and, and doing something like helping serve at a, a food bank or going to, if you, once we're allowed back in, to a nursing home just to give your time, whether you're sitting with somebody who doesn't have family come visiting them or you want to hear their life story or you want to help them share their legacy of what their life was while they were here on Earth. Those are things that you can do that, that don't take a lot of effort per se for for you as an individual but it can go a long way with helping you do things for other people which brings us all together it does i think part of um what's happened is this lack of connection you know you've talked so much about connection and we are here to be connected we're not here to go through life alone but to to really be connected I have a friend who was sharing an experience she had with me just this was last week and she went to the grocery store and she somehow she went around and she was, she almost ran into another woman's grocery cart and the other woman was, was quite a bit older and, you know, she apologized. And then she said, how are you doing today? We have masks on, right? Yes. And this woman tears up and she said to her, she goes, I didn't need anything at the grocery store. I just needed someone to see me and say hello. Oh, and that's amazing. It that's, doesn't take much. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, when um, One of the things I went through was a full lung collapse where my lung laid on my heart. I went into cardiac arrest. They took me for emergency surgery. And in that, that experience, my life flashed before me. And I just, I saw all the pictures of my life at one moment, but there was like a thousand words for every picture. And it was all at once. That's the best way I can describe it. But it taught me the importance of human connection of how are you doing? Are you okay? Can I help? What do you need? Those are important conversation starters. And you can do that with anybody. And especially now when they start saying social, they would say, you need to um, do this physical distancing. And and I would say, no, you're sorry. You need to be physically distant. You need to be socially connected. connected. And and I would try around in, in my little in my little world, I would try to change the words and say, no, be social, stay social connect with each other, ask, you know, how are you doing? Um, it, it, it really can make somebody say that's the most amazing story of that you just shared with me. I appreciate your story because it just shows how far you can still have human connection and be social 
without being physically connected. And that's amazing. And the thought that I keep having too is, you know, how often do you ask somebody, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm fine. But yet, you know, if we could really see inside, they are just yes. ready to explode, right? Yes. Because they can't handle one more thing. One in three people are experiencing something right now that's a challenge. And when we say we're fine, people say, well, you're pretending. We're pretending to be fine. We actually have something that, that we need help with. We just feel a guilt or a shame or you know, diff- different pressures that we put on society or stigma. But really, when someone says, how are you doing? If you can just take a step further, if you have a need, make it. If you haven't asked, make it. Because you, we are here to connect with each other and help each other. And if I can't help you, maybe someone I know can. That's exactly what I hoped you would say. <laughs> so important. And and it's just weird, really, that we feel like we can't say, I'm really struggling. I remember a day that it was about six months after our son passed away. And a, a, a friend of mine, I hadn't seen her for six months. And I, I got a, a card in the in the mail and she said I've lost your phone number call me and I just you know called her and or I emailed her with my phone number and she said I need to come visit you and I said okay anytime and she showed up after work I opened the door she gave me a hug and she said how are you and I told her I wasn't doing well and that was the beginning of my real healing was I allowed someone in and, and it took some courage, honestly, on yeah, both parts. On both parts. Cause people see that you have a loss. So they say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Literally a question. Uh, hey, I see you. Um, there, there's, there's a company out there that has little bows with the little candle on top. It's the, I see you company. And I use their hashtag sometimes um, just, to, just to give shout outs to people. Hey, I see you. I know you're struggling. I know you miss this person. And and I'm here. I might not be able to do something immediately, but know that I'm here in, the, in this presence with you. That's the gift that she was able to give you. I'm so glad for both of you that you had the, both had the courage to, to do that with each other. There was a message I could leave as this has turned into this, you know, really wonderful conversation of love and connection is step, step forward. It doesn't have to be this grand thing that you planned with the government of Uganda, which is incredible. And I'd love to be a part of something like that. But there are little things every day that come our way. And I think as we, we ask God, what can we do to help? How can we be your hands? We're going to find there's simple things that we can do. Absolutely. And if you if you have extra hope, pass that hope on to other people. Give them that spark. And again, it, it doesn't have to cost you anything except for a moment in time that you're connecting with another human being in any way, any positive level. It will mean so much more to, to that person in this life and I believe in the next that somebody took the time to stop. Don't wait till they're gone. Don't wait till, till it's too late to say, hi, I was thinking about you. I love you. You know, those are important things to do and say on a regular basis and um, make those connections.
So, so Barbie, we always allow our, our guest to uh, leave us with the last, last word. And uh, as, as we consider our conversation today, and as we, as we, you know, I, I, we could go on for another hour because this is a very interesting conversation. And if you make it out to Salt Lake, we, we need to have you on the back porch and, uh, and, and, and extend this uh, to an even longer uh time here but i'm thinking we might be making it to, <laughs> to arizona yes, please come to arizona for a visit <laughs> but but as as we conclude our our conversation here today are there any other thoughts any ideas anything that you would leave our listeners with that would help them with their own travel with their own journey in hope that there is hope and there is help all you have to do is reach out it is there for you and it's plentiful. So take it and then help people in return when you're able to. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you have enjoyed our conversation with Barbie Ingle as we discussed hope. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing you will ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us as well as help us to grow and connect with others we invite you to become a part of karen the load community through social media as well as to share our site with those you know we are stronger together keep karen Mm -hmm.